So, you know, I shot him in the, in the kneecap with a Roman candle. So. I'm not taking your noops. <laughs> I'm not touching <laughs> your noops. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Welcome back to the show, Latasha. Thank you for having me. Number two, back again. And, you know, you just cel- did you just celebrate an anniversary? What did um, I see you put about recently? Right now I'm at two years, three months, and some days. Okay. Um, yep. And now, is this, was this your first Christmas out? Yes, in a long time. I know you did some time, you know, I know you did a couple of years before we talked about that. So this is the first time you've been able to be home for Christmas in a few years then? Yes. I've been in and out of jail and wilding out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and on top of that, so you know, you were you were sober in jail the last the last thing you did. I know that's when your sobriety started. So you've been sober for Christmases before. But this is the first time that you're sober for Christmas at home. There's nobody telling you what to do. Right. How how yeah. is that different this time? I mean, obviously, besides the bars and the freedom, you know what I mean? How is that different for your psyche with your sobriety? Because you can get high inside, too. So, you know, it's yeah. not even about that. We you know it's even easier because everyone's a criminal inside. <laughs> you know, it's even easier to find the people. So, right. like, so how how is this going to be different? How are, you, how are you getting through the holidays so far? You know, we're almost through this. We're halfway through December. So how have you been getting through, you know what I mean? What have you been doing? Uh, I've been I'm in drug court. I've been going to classes, meetings, um, just reaching out to people, my sponsor, and just you know, reaching out to the the recovery community. Just that's the best thing. That's almost like it's almost like yeah, it's almost like somebody gave you those suggestions and you listen to them and you're following them. Right. You know, that, that's exactly what you should be doing: reaching out, yeah. seeing who needs help, how can I help here, talking, going to meetings. Fulfilling your responsibilities with drug court, you know, people think when we say, oh, yeah, I was on drug court, right? A lot of people are on drug court and they don't show, you know, when we're talking about going to drug court, it's because we're doing the thing. We're showing up for ourselves. We're showing up for them when we're handling our responsibilities. There's a lot of people that are skipping out on drug court, you know, right now, you you know, so, you know, just because you're on drug court doesn't mean that you know anything because you could be breaking it just like anybody always does so you know that's that's awesome that's commendable you're just showing up and plus yeah. you're working too you've been busy with work too so that's yeah. cool that's like it's a good thing you know it's almost like people get so busy like buying gifts that they have to go eat out you know what i mean just to get the fuck out of the house for a little bit right. so um yeah. now the last time we talked when we were done you know you had quite a story the first time we talked but you said you had you know not not that you people gotta understand you know when you're watching us and we're talking about our stories there's a lot of things that we leave out and it's not on purpose you know there's a lot of things that we forget about in the moment between nerves you know and also you know just flat out we forget you know flat out we forget things that happen because we try to black them out and then, you know, and then we start doing that retrospect. We start watching the tape back of what we just put out there, like our interview. And you're like, hey, I forgot this and I forgot that. I forgot this. And I'm like, it's all right. You'll get a second chance. That's the whole point. We're never done telling our story, you know, and that's right. the important thing that I try to tell people, especially like I do this, you know, for a living, basically. You know, I talk to people all day long. You're the, you know, 
third podcast I did today, and I got two more left. You know, so like I yeah. do this all day long. I'm used to just putting my shit out there, and and it just it is what it is. And sometimes I feel like I repeat myself. Right now, people that listen to all my episodes are shaking their heads, like, "Yeah, motherfucker, you repeat yourself." And and yeah. <laughs> and yeah. but guess what? Sometimes I need to because sometimes you know you're you're sending out you know our interview to a bunch of people that's never even seen me before. And I don't want people to be watching, you know, your interview to hear your story and then me just be like a blank void. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to repeat stuff. I'm going to repeat stories and I'm going to repeat things. And the reason I have to do that also is because I want my guests to feel at ease. I need you to feel comfortable to talk. And I'm not the kind of guy that can shut up. I don't know how to shut up. I don't know how to stop talking. So, you know, I'm not going to edit myself. And if I repeat the same stories and you're tired of listening to them, then you can tune out, man. Because I'm going to keep having to relate to people. I want, you know, my guests to feel comfortable when they're talking. And the only way they're going to feel comfortable is if they know I've done some crazy shit with them. Not with them, but like them. So what was the one big thing that, like, stuck out in your mind? Like, I wish I could have talked about that and I forgot to. Um, being thrown out of, I've been thrown out of moving cars and thrown out of cars trying to help people and. All right, well let me let's let's let let's stop there. Let's let's start there then. So, you know, for people that are listening, you're not you're not a small gal to throw out of a car, Latasha. You're not no seventy pound, you know. So what what's going on that you can just get tossed out of a car? Um, well I met this guy um one night and um he was trying to find some drugs and stuff like that. And my thing was like the quickest thing is um, get something or whatever. I used to go to gas stations and be like, uh, let me get two cars of Newport. I would lie and say, it. you know, I had a um, un as a bootlegger. And, um, you know, when they gave me the, the, the put the cars of Newports on the, on the counter, I would, uh, tell them, let me get some cigars. And like, when they turned around to get the cigars, you know, I would run out the store <laughs> with the, uh, cigarettes. So, um, I'm, the guy that I met, he was giving me a ride or whatever, and like he was so anxious for me to go ahead and sell him so I can get the crack or whatever. And um, you know, I wasn't ready because I had my mind set on one person that I want to sell it to already. So he was impatient or whatever. So he came, he got out the driver's seat. I was sitting behind him in a pickup truck, and like he just picked me up and he just slung me across the the yard. Like I went sliding or whatever. And you know, he he tried to jump in the car and um back up, and like when he was backing up. Like the back window was down, I had tried to jump, jump um through the window to get the, the Newports, and I fell you back. Get my yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he ended up getting away, you know. And um, when I saw him the next time, um, you know, I don't know if you know the the Roman candle that you the you hold or whatever. So I I lit one of those and I pointed to his kneecap and I, I shot him in it. Cause like I had a, I still had a, a bruise on my knee or whatever. So I wanted to feel, I wanted him to feel the pain that I felt. So, you know, I shot him in, in the kneecap with a Roman candle. So I'm not taking your noops. <laughs> I'm not yeah. touching your noop. <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah, I promise you he did, you know, he apologized. And, yeah. Um, well, I'm sure so, he was on his knees. I'm sure he was on his knees apologizing. Going, oh, yeah. fuck, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm yeah. Sorry. yeah. Yeah. You know. <laughs> But yeah, so you were basically you were you were just so people that are the normies that are listening. What she's saying is you stole the cartons and then you were selling the cartons for cash to somebody else that was like, yeah, I'll take a carton for thirty bucks, 
And then yeah. that cash is then what you turn into crack money. Yeah. Okay. Just I, I that's what I figure. But you know, there's also a lot of people that watch and listen that they're normies. You know, they know, they don't they don't know criminal shit. Right. <laughs> they, don't, they don't know the hustle yeah. until they watch us talk about it. You know, they're like, no, that's just not in movies. Yeah, no, that's just what happens. Like, you you always yeah. wait, and that and that trick that that's been going on for as long as I can remember. That you know. Um, I always think one of my favorite movies growing up was this movie Sleepers, and it's like this true story about these kids that grew up like in New York City in Hell's Kitchen, and they end up having to go to a boys' home because they did some criminal shit together. But the yeah. crime they used to always commit together was they would go up to the hot dog vendor in New York, and the one mm-hmm. kid he would be asking for all the stuff on the hot dog, and then he would ask for extra napkins, and as soon as he asked for extra napkins, he would take off with the hot dogs. The guy would turn his back. Yeah. And then the guy had two choices to chase after that one hot dog or leave his and leave his stand or let the hot dog go. So if he would chase that kid, then the other friends run up and then they're just feasting. So, you know, I I remember that story. It sticks in my head so much. And that was in the 50s. (laughs) So people doing that move, you know, oh, yeah. And they one more thing. And as soon as they turn the back, you're out. Out that door. You know, can't go can't go back to that gas station for a minute. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I have been in every gas station that I have went to. I have been in there, and like they probably don't recognize me. And <laughs> you know what? And then when I said that, you know, getting you thrown getting thrown out of a car, now I'm starting to picture your before picture. And you mm-hmm. were you were getting down there when you were and you were using. You weren't eating, and you were just straight up eat. Your body was eating itself. Yeah. You were emaciated yep. by like. You know, for those who are watching this for the first time, I'll pop up on the screen right now, you know, what the before was in the original one. And, you know, you're killing it now <laughs> compared to what that picture was when you went in that bug shot. You're just like miserable, yeah. just miserable as fuck. <laughs> you just knew yeah. that you were. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it feels pretty good. Yeah, well, it has to. You know, like, people get upset when they get sober and they, they put on some weight. And it's like, why? This is yeah. what it's, this is healthy. This is just yeah. this, this showing that you're eating. This is showing that you're doing the right thing and you're not you're not trying to be somebody you're not like that is unhealthy, you know, right. and people just and we're and streetwalkers. That's what some of them call sometimes because all you do is walk them down the street. You know, it's usually because you're being trafficked, you know, at the same time. You know, I just did a panel with a bunch of girls in Ohio and they, you know, some of them were trafficked together. You know, and it's wild to think about that the these girls that they're just being told just from and it's a lot of them are women are trafficking too, yeah. like older older women like you know they wouldn't expect you think it's just some grandma next right. door but really that grandma's an evil bitch and you yeah. know because I I know the two of them they were trapped by a couple in their fifties you know mm-hmm. and it's no you know you would think this couple and no they're just turning out you know people uh, us at addicts. Right. You know, in and they know we're vulnerable, and especially women, they know that they can take advantage of them. They know that they can whisper those sweet little like, "I'm not gonna ever have even an addiction that never happened to me where a trafficker walks up to me and says, "Hey, I can help you make some money." They're not gonna say right. that to me. But you know, to if you're a female, you got to be careful because whenever someone's saying they can help you make some money, they mean they're gonna help themselves make money off you. Right. What was that? No. Did you get stuck yeah. up in that too? Were you trafficked? Yeah, yeah, most of it I did. Um, I was in it in for like a couple months, and then you know I was like, forget this, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to make my own. Like, 
I'm going to be my own people and make my own money. So, you know, I won't have a middleman. So I get all of it. Yeah, but doing that, is it more dangerous? Because they don't like that you're doing that, right? Yeah. Did yeah. I cause anything? And, um, like, um, I did get held up at gunpoint with one of them. And, um, can you tell me about one it? Of the dudes, one of the dudes, um, like I said before, that was one of the dudes I was with who um, kidnapped me, raped and beat me. Yeah. So... How long yeah. did you know this dude to kidnap you? Um, probably two days. Okay, so you knew him two days, but in a in a in a, in an addict world, two days is a long time. You know, yeah. People gotta understand that too. When you're and you're meeting somebody that's like minded, and you know you're getting high with them, you know that two mm-hmm. days it, it feels like a while. You know because you're right. already connected over something that's so against everybody else. That you have yeah. like this weird bond, right? I remember being, you know, in addiction and meeting other people in addiction, and you have an instantaneous bond with that person. It's honestly the mm-hmm. same shit that you and I had when we met in recovery. We're still the same right. people that we were in addiction, except we don't drink or drug. So, right. you know, I always say people at the bar, you know, when you go to AA meetings, it's the same people that you see at the bar, except for they got coffee in front of them instead of they got beer in front of them. We're the yeah. same people, it's the same right. stories being told. So, you know, you get this weird bond. It's like a trauma bond where you're trauma bonding over being an addict. So it's not surprising that you can get caught up, you know, with somebody within two days to where they're going to, you know, do some heinous shit because you're Mm going to have that trust already because you I already trust you because you're an addict like me. Right. So that kind of like giving my will over to you because I trust you. Is a vulnerable thing, and unfortunately, you know, it got taken advantage of. So, mm-hmm. did that dude ever get get caught up and have to do time for any shade? Did you? This episode is sponsored by MJ's Progress Not Perfection Meeting Center Association. We are in our meeting center where we do all these meetings for mental health and addiction. I can do this podcast anywhere. I can do this at home. I can do this in a closet. I can do this in a basement. It doesn't matter. All I need is somebody else to talk to about addiction and recovery. What I can't do from anywhere is help people with their addiction and their mental health problems. If you can help out, you know, we do have a Venmo. We have a Cash App. We have a PayPal. We have an address you can send a check to. And, you know, all the money that gets donated goes towards rent, goes towards keeping the lights on, and goes towards keeping the internet on. So please, you know, if you can get five bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, it doesn't matter. Anything you can is so appreciated. And if you are a local business, if you're a national business, whatever, and you want to be a part of what we're doing, you know, you can reach out to me and we can talk about how you can be a sponsor. But I'll let you get back to the episode. No, because um, back then I wasn't the type, you know, to tell. Yeah. I wasn't sure the streets took care of them. Yeah. Well, um, I had one dude after him, but I, I don't know if he ever caught up with him. Yeah. But I mean, it's, you know, it is not, I, you know, for the, you know, faint of heart, you know, being an yeah, addict. This I, is not easy. I ended up seeing him. Um, One day, me and my fiance was um at a restaurant. I ended up seeing him. And like, he was looking at me. And then when he decided to go up, get up and go get some food, like we was in a buffet or whatever. And um, I got up. Just to say, just to show him, you know, I'm not that person no more. If you try me, you know what I'm saying, you gonna get it. But so he didn't. Saw, he didn't say anything. He you th- kept you think he re- you think he recognized you? 
he give you, he give you, he give you a look like he knew you. Yeah, he knew me. Yeah, he knew exactly who he was talking to. He just, I guess, the way I look then, and the way I look now, and like, just, uh, just. The, well, he knew that game, that's you know? not you. He knew that that yeah. wasn't you then. I mean. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I'm full up now. <laughs> What's that? No, full up now. Like he, he don't try it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and we wear it on our face too. We're smiling these days. You know, we laugh. Yeah. You know, and we and we don't. You know, and I say this all the time, but we don't laugh with our heads anymore. When we get sober, right. we start laughing with our body again. We start feeling the right. laughter again. When we're in addiction and someone says something funny, we can hear it. We can process it. We know that's funny, and we can say, laugh, motherfucker. And you go, ha, ha, ha. Right. And then you give them that laugh. This way they don't think you're fucking weird. But, like, right. until you get fully sober and you start feeling all those emotions, one of those emotions you start feeling again is laughter. You know, it was one of the mm-hmm. best feelings I ever had when I started feeling myself laugh with my stomach again. You know, when I started feeling yeah. the laughter in my stomach, that's when you know mm-hmm. you're really like you're turning the corner of some good shit. You know, what All was right. the first thing you noticed about like, you know, talking about my body, my stomach? Like, what was one of the first things you noticed like that, that kind of change? What was it the laughter? What was it that you started noticing about yourself in sobriety? Even though you were in jail, you know, what mm-hmm. was something you noticed that really kept you going to want more? Um, do want more sobriety? Like yeah. one, one more. Yeah, like I, I want, like, I want more of this. Yeah, like gaining my weight back, and you know, like just the just the fact that I ain't gotta worry about chasing the next high and and thinking so much of like how, what I'm gonna do to get that next, you know, rock. And it just it, it was just a good feeling. It, it still is a good feeling, but it just felt real good, you know, look in the mirror and not just see bones like a skeleton. Just I look good. Yeah, no. and and just for the a little quick recap, I'm thinking there's a lot. You know, you were on three months ago. I've had a lot more subscribers now, so a lot more people are watching you. So give a little re- like, what was your drug of choice? It was crack. Um, I tried meth one time. That didn't work out. Um, why, I did wait, 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 Stop. Let's wait. Why didn't that work out? Because you know why didn't meth um, work out? Like I tried to hit it. Like I, I like I, I was smoking crack and like I hit it. I guess I hit it too hard and I just threw up everywhere. Like and then I got real lightheaded and yeah, I just didn't want it. <laughs> you know, it's funny though. But you, but you, but you say you didn't want it because you know I myself and I talked to a bunch of people even this morning where we did oxy and we threw up and then we wanted it more. So yeah. it just goes to show you that you really didn't want it. Yeah. Like it I, wasn't um, for you. Yeah, I just even I don't know if I didn't know how to pull it right or what, but it, it just did not share it right with me, you know. That would you know what that sounds like because like honestly, there's three drugs I've never done. It's crack, heroin, and meth. Um, right. And you know, I, so I don't know exactly the differences, but I would imagine that crack is you know a little bit more of a downer version of meth, right? Where it gets you up and then it gets you down too. Um, but uh, meth is more of like up, you know. Yeah. And. It, it might have actually been, you know, at the end of the day, your higher power doing for you what you couldn't do for yourself, you know, with that right. meth, because that meth could have really taken you even worse, right? You could right. have been like, ah, fuck it, I threw up, let's do it again, roll it back yeah. up, let's do it again, you know, I'm going to go right. again, and, you know, I'm going right. to get this, and then next thing you know, now you're hooked on meth and going through crazy psychosis. So right. that sounds to me like that was just definitely your higher power intervening, saying, "No, you got enough on your plate, girl. You don't need meth too." So, yeah. 
Well, you and you dipped and dab with opiates a bit, but that was just to put you to sleep, right? Because you're up all the time. Yeah. yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But you, yeah. you're the one I talked to that really didn't get into shit until your 20s, right? You were a late bloomer. Yeah. Yeah. But but you went down fast. It's like you were a late bloomer, and then it was like you hit the top. It was like you were on one of those roller coasters, and then all of a sudden yeah. you hit that hill and you went. Straight <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, that's what happened. Yeah, and then now you now you're on the fun part of the ride. Now you're on that yeah. part of the ride where we can talk about it, and, and you're laughing. We can, you know. Yeah, I you... talk. I talk about it. Everybody. I work at Waffle House, and like, um, I just I talk to everybody. I don't care who it is, man. Like, like it's so much gratitude with my sobriety. Like, I can laugh about it, you know. And just you know, just show people like that's not the way to go. Like, it really isn't. Yeah, and, and, you know, the further we get away from it, the more we can laugh and the more therapeutic it is to laugh because what else can you really do? Be mad about it, be upset about yeah. it, hold yourself, you know, hold resentments against yourself over it. Listen, we did what we did. And, and you know, yeah. I, I've said before, I firmly believe if I didn't make every one of those little steps that I made in addiction, I might not be sitting here right now. I did right. what I had to do to survive in that very moment. We always say one day at a time. Like, fuck, yeah. that was one minute at a time. Right. My addiction was one minute at a time. You know, now I'm no. slowing it down to one day at a time. But, I, no. you know, no. cause how old are you now? You're, you're. 32. Yeah, 32. Mm-hmm. And you started in your early 20s. And you got to. So you went hard for like almost a decade, like all, almost all your 20s, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, I, I do have a question. How. When you when you put out that when I put out that first episode, how was the response from like family and friends? They they loved it. Yeah. yeah. They really loved it. Yeah. What you, you know, a lot of times family has you know some sore spots about the things that we talk about. You know what I mean? Especially so openly. You know, and I I know personally like it's hard for even my parents to watch my show. You know, mm-hmm. because, you know, it's they're so normies when it comes down to it that it's hard for them to even hear some of the stories and know that this is real life. And it's hard for them to know right. some of the shit I had to go through. So it's cool mm-hmm. that you got that kind of response of, like, yeah. you know, support. I, I don't I don't really talk to my family or any, anything. So if they if they hear something about what ha- has happened in my past, they're going to hear it from here. Cause I'm I'm not the type like I'm I'm trying to get there to like re- like really open up and stuff like that. So if they hear anything yeah. that has happened, th- this is how they're gonna hear it. Um, have you been on that path yet of uh, maybe finding some sponsees soon? Cause I know you're working like a hard program. Um, I had I had a sponsee. Um, I ended up moving it to the same Oxford house as she. So she we we couldn't be the same um be in the same yeah. house and I'd be her sponsor. Yeah. So uh, I had to. She had to find another sponsor. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. Did, did, did she, how was that feeling of somebody coming up to you for the first time and being like, hey, I want what you have. You know, will you sponsor me? My sponsor actually um, referred her to me. So. Yeah, but, but still, yeah. that you know, you know firsthand from asking a sponsor the first time. It's, it's like asking yeah. somebody out on a date. It's like asking somebody in a relation. It's like you're skipping the fucking dates. Be my boyfriend, be my girlfriend. You know, yeah. if it, it's if you're skipping all that because it is a relationship of like trust and honesty that you have to have with that sponsor. You know, you right. can't do an honest step four or five if you're if you don't trust that person. I could have never told somebody my fifth step. 
You know what right. I mean? If I didn't trust you, you know, right. like, so, you know, it's when I, the first time I had somebody ask me, it was just like, what? You want what I have? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> you want to learn something that I have? Okay. I guess, yeah. you know, I'll talk to you. We'll be, you know, we'll see what we can do. It, right. And then, then when you start looking back, you're like, oh, I remember being like that broken, you know, and that surrender, that's, that feeling of surrendering to be like, you know, cause that's where I, that's where I think the rock bottom is, right. you know, I don't, I think people right now, I think people will go to my meetings and maybe even in your meetings that still haven't hit their rock bottom because they're not yeah. working a program. You know, they're not doing right. anything for their sobriety except for not drinking or drugging, which is good. Right. That's, but that's the bare minimum we ask for in sobriety. Just don't uh-huh. drink or drug. That's like step one. Like, no, it's not really right. step one. I shouldn't say steps. <laughs> that, yeah. That's step A. <laughs> yeah. But like, really, that's where you start at. But once you start stopping, once you stop starting, I should say, once you stop starting to pick up the drugs, then it's about finding new solutions to things. Finding right. out why we drank and drugged, why we went on for so long, why it took me long. I mean, if I'm, you went to jail, got out, went right back into it, right? It wasn't yeah. until your second stint that you got it. Yeah, my second, my very last one, yes. And yeah, I remember you telling me that story of you driving down a median, like as a fake Uber. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that yeah, that day I was trying to um find another way to make money and stuff, and the bus was running that late. It was on a Sunday, and so I stopped at a bus stop, and I was like, um, if you got five dollars, you know, I'll go ahead and take it to your destination, so I get three people at a time, and um, I was on Ashley Phosphate, and I picked up one dude. He was smoking his weed, and um, there was a lot of traffic, and I had went down the median, and no Charleston went um, the opposite way and made a U-turn. That was it. <laughs> yeah, they don't like. Yeah, you can't go down median. Yeah, and I didn't <laughs> I mean, think I was. I wasn't in the median for like two, three seconds, and they got me. Boy. I tried to act like I was going to the gas station. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I thought of you the other day too, because my wife and I are rewatching Shameless. Um, that show, Shameless. Yeah. And that's, you know, at one point that one of the, one of the boys, one of the Gallagher's, he's trying to make some extra money. So he starts doing that fake Uber in, in like yeah. Southside Chicago. He's pulling up people. Hey, you waiting for Uber? They're like, yeah. He goes, five bucks cheaper. You hop in. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I pause it. I'm like, oh, I don't know if you told this episode with Latasha, but I know somebody yeah. who did this. <laughs> and I yeah. pulled up. Yeah, because when you told me that story, I cut it up and I made it into a TikTok and a reel and shit. So I pulled up real fast for my wife to show her. I'm like, see, she did this shit too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Except, ironically, that kid was doing it on get on um, Shameless so he could make money for military school. And now uh, here you are. You're like, I just need some crack. Yeah. <laughs> I need to smoke some crack. Yeah. Like, you know, because. I, I think a lot of people don't think that crack is as prevalent as it still is, right? You know, I think people forgot about, like, and I when I say people, I mean, you know, normies, and I mean people that aren't in addiction. You know, like, you know, like, cop, like even the cops, they're not even fucking with as much as the opiates. It's the fentanyl everybody's concerned with. So uh, it's like everything has taken a backseat. Fentanyl is now what crack was in the 80s, right? You know, yeah. like... And I even had, you know, do you, do you know Jeff? You probably know Jeff. Yeah, everyone knows fucking Jeff Vickers. Yeah. 
sober slogan, my man Jeff. You know, yeah. you two are the ones that had some crazy crack stories for me out of out of like eighty interviews I've done. It was you yeah. two that you know he was old school though, eighties in New York City, and yours is more southern, different kind of school shit. But he got caught yeah. up with that shit in Atlanta too. So yeah. he was definitely part of it in the South, too. But I remember him telling me a story about getting arrested at the same bodega within three years of each other. Like, for yeah. stealing shit out of bodega, and then he did time and got out, got high again, stole shit. And the same cops yeah. arrested him at the same bodega. And, like, like they were arresting him, and they had him in handcuffs. And they're like, man, I'm having deja vu. Have we arrested you before? And he's like, yeah, you arrested me here three years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just take me to jail. I'm guilty. Yeah. Like, yeah, that shit... Man. Like, you know, again, we have to laugh. And, you know, I, I had somebody say to me before, like, you feel like insensitive because, you know, you laugh at people's stories a lot. I'm like, I'm laughing because I'm relating. Like, you, you don't yeah. know. Like, when you go to the rooms, when you go to AA, it's not dark and dreary. You go to NA, it's not dark and dreary. We're laughing. We're right. smiling. We're happy as shit to be there because we know where else we could be. And right. the fact that I'm in a room with a bunch of people that are as fucked up as I am in their minds, you know, just because we're not drunk or, or high doesn't mean we're not fucked up in our minds. And to be yeah. in that group conscious of people that are laughing with me, like, that's that was my higher power for a while with the rooms. That laughter right. that kept going, you know, I wanted to chase. I'm a fucking comedian that forgot how to laugh. I was yeah. doing stand-up comedy and, and didn't know how to laugh anymore until I got sober. And then I was like, I was doing it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I was doing it wrong. Yeah. How, I am how thankful are... that I I haven't I haven't been locked never been locked up for um a drug having drugs in my possession or pay for me. The first the first time I thought I was gonna get locked up, um I had just left somewhere and I was turning down a road. I was riding with somebody turning down a road, she forgot to use her, her signal and um <clears throat> The police pulled us over or whatever, got us out of the car. He was like, do you have anything on you? I was like, sir, I'm going to tell you right now. And he, he was, it was a male. I was like, I'm going to tell you right now, I have a, I have a pipe right here. And, you know, I got, you know, crack or whatever. And so I said, I'm just lifting up my shirt. Cause you know how they, how they get you moving all type of ways. So I, I lift my shirt up and got the pipe out my bra and put it on top of his car. And, and like, I don't know if that, that was God or whoever it was, but he just happened um to get an emergency call. And he was like, Get your stuff off the um, hood of the car and go ahead. Don't let me catch you again, you know. And I was like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> like, I used yeah, to he get was... away with my crack in my pipe. <laughs> he got he got a call to a bus that he he couldn't let go. You know what I mean? He's like, oh, fuck these girls. You know, they're just gonna get yeah. high anyway. They're not hurting yeah, anybody. I... They're just hurting themselves. Yeah. I gotta take care of this shit right here. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, thank God, boy. No, no. Now, I can't remember, and I don't think we even got into it much, that, that mugshot, that mugshot. I know that mugshot isn't from that last time you got sober in jail. That mugshot's from that time you went to jail and then didn't stay sober, right? That was that was, that was was the day I had got pulled over from uh, fake Uber. That was that, <laughs> that was that fake Uber? Yeah, that I was, was up fake... like two months, bro. You, yeah. you say you were up? Like awake? Up. Yeah, I was awake. Just going, just going, nonstop. How was the psychosis with that? What do you mean? Did, did you have to deal, like, I got a sponsee right now, and his record was 32 days awake straight on meth. Mm-hmm. So he started experiencing crazy psychosis around day four. 
And that shit lasted the entire time. But a lot Uh of it was meth-induced psychosis. But as an insomniac, I know the psychosis that you can go through without just sleeping, just even sober. Like, you know, because, you know, I'm sober, but I still have problems with my sleep. So I still can have instances where, like, I hear shit that I don't or I see shit that I don't. And it only means, like, remember yesterday when we were talking, I was like, I need to try to lay the fuck. I didn't fall asleep till 3 a.m., Latasha. That was, yeah. you know what I mean? That, that was 6 p.m. I'm like, I'm dead tired. I can't keep my eyes open. I just got to go home. And I, yeah. what happens, like always, is I just lay there. It's not like I was yeah. being crazy. You know, we watched Tommy Boy. You know what I mean? We watched right. comedies and some Bob's Burgers and shit. And I still, 3 a.m. is when I fell asleep. Yeah. And I woke up at 5.30, and I came to the office, and I've been here all day. You know, and it's because yeah. I don't I don't know. I, I'm not good at it yet. I'm still trying to fix my sleep patterns. The drugs were sleep yeah. were fixing it for a while, but. Yeah, I, I try. I, I be having problems sleeping, um, too. I be trying to. I tell, like, three melatonins, and that happens to put me to sleep, so. And then when I don't take it, it's like, I'm, I'm woke. It's, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, now how much time do you still have at the Oxford house before you get to um, be living with your fiancé again? Um, it's, it's probably when I phase up the uh, three. The drug probably court? That, you know, yeah. When you graduate drug court into, like, I'm the next step? Phase, yeah, I'm still in phase one. Um, I should be phased up to two in January. How do the phases work down in South Carolina? Um, it just, it just depends on, like, which, how... How you're working it and like how good you're doing and stuff like that. Like consistency, basically, like showing yeah. up for certain meeting, like how many meetings you're hitting. Plus, if you're as long as you're not getting in trouble. Right. And then for a certain amount of time, they want to see consistency. And then yeah. okay. And there's three yeah. phases you got to go through. It's it's four. It's four. Okay. Yeah, I BS them the uh, first time, like in the beginning. But you know, I was like, this is easy, you know, like. Just going to class three days a week and, you know, just talking and opening up. And it's, it's pretty cool. But I didn't want to be in there forever. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's all right. It's, drug court is what, what got me to open up more, you know. Because oh, I wasn't really? the type of person to talk about anything. Like, people got their own. I was thinking, you know, people got their own problems. Like, what they look like, caring about my what I got going on, you know what I'm saying? So, but it's, no. it's a pretty cool program, you know. I'm uh, thankful. I, I, yeah, because obviously, you know, it got you to open up. And as soon as you start opening up, you start connecting with people. You know, you right. can't, you know, you can't connect with somebody just by sitting there and staring at them. Right. You, know, you got to find that commonality, well, you know, yeah. and, you know, just even doing this is a huge, I mean, obviously, we both know, like, this is a, not the easiest thing to do and sit down and be vulnerable. And especially when you know it's not going to be in front of, like, you're at a podium and you see the faces that are looking at you when you're sharing. This is just, like, post and go and yeah. just hope you don't get any hate. And you got so much love. Like, I'm talking, like, comments on your first video, you know, likes on that first video, views on that first video. Right. Retention. Retention's important. It means people are sticking around and watching your story. Right. You know, I post some videos and there people don't stick around for the whole story. Yeah. You know, it's almost like they hear what they wanted to hear and then they tune out. But yours had a really good retention too. So yeah. it meant people were hanging on they wanted to know. They wanted to make sure you were good. They want to hear your story. Right. You know. 
and you're living it. You're you're literally living your recovery out loud. I see you posting all the time, like down to the day, like two months, three years, blah blah blah. Like yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's another one. Like <laughs> yeah, I'm excited about it. You know, I, I want I want people to follow my footsteps, like who who having problems and stuff. I want them to know, like you're not alone. It, it, it's 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 really good to get clean. Like have, now, and and how many, you have one kid? Yes, I have one biological son and and two stepkids. Two stepkids, and you get to see them for Christmas this year. Yeah, I get to see two stepkids, but I my I don't get to see probably two video, but you know. Well, the the stepkids are with your fiance, right? Yeah. Yeah, but still, you haven't had that kind of you know family connection, familial connection, in what since you were a teenager? Yeah. Because you know you got right into it, and you weren't seeing family when you're, you know, when you're on crack. Yeah, I don't worry about family. I was worried about getting hot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. You weren't, you weren't showing up to Christmas parties. All like, yeah, I just smoked my pipe. I'm good. Like, no, it's not. You're staying out in the streets. Yeah, <laughs> waiting for that next one. Family's birthdays that I got invited to. Uh, I, I don't lost a couple of family members. You know, I, I refused to go to their funeral because I wanted to get high. Like, you know. And then, you know, and sorry about your luck. I know you just came from your funeral. Yeah. Um, but you show up today. You know, like we said with drug court, but you show up for people's emotional needs to fill them when they're not even yours directly anymore. Yeah, um, that family, um, it's it's not my biological family, but it's it's a family that when I was in addiction, um, is a um my ex girlfriend's mom. Um, it was her 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 part of the family, but this lady, you know, she, like, every time I need to take a shower, she let me go take a shower. She'll feed me and stuff like that. Like, you know, she'll talk to me and encourage me or whatever. And, you know, I just had to go show her. Her mom, her mom passed away, so I had to go show her support, you know? Never waited that shit a couple years ago, though. You know what I mean? You showed up to show me, like, support. Like, dang. <laughs> like, you know, it's good for them to see me when I'm doing good. Because last time they saw me, I was a skeleton. Really? <laughs> they hadn't seen yeah. you in that long until today? Yeah. Mhm. That is so cool. Like, yeah. you know, it, it sucks, you know, obviously the situation and the circumstances and the reason you're getting together. But I I almost feel like people think about funerals the wrong way. When I say people, I even mean I used to. You know, I used that was the worst thing you could ever have to do is go to one. Um, but, but funerals are a part of life. And when you can start going to a funeral to celebrate life and not mourn it, that's but, when you can start healing. That's when you're healing. That's when it's like it's good to show up because, you know, when when you're when you're the direct family member of somebody that just died, it's nice to see somebody from five years ago that you never thought that you're like, holy shit, who is this? Yeah. Who is this person? It's you forget where you are for a minute. And that's the whole point. You know, you get to take them away from their pain for a minute because you showed up and they're just happy as fuck to see you. Yeah. You know, and because I know that feeling because that happened to me at six months. You know, Mm -hmm. my first six months when I got I was I had just taken a six month chip when one of my really good friends um, overdosed. Right. And um, him and I, we were we were backyard neighbors for 12 years together. Um, first grade through 12th, we, you know, we shared a backyard fence, that kind of deal. Mm-hmm. And, um, we both got sober at the same time, except for I went to LA and he went to Florida. We were both from Jersey. And what we would talk all the time 
um, on the phone. You know, we would always call each other up. Hey, how you do? You hit the meeting. I'm walking to a meeting, and we would just call each other and bullshit. Right. And um, unfortunately, we both came back, and I I was good, and then he he passed on his relapse because of fentanyl. So yeah. it all takes one now with fentanyl, people. It, it's yeah. not a matter, you know, the tolerance doesn't mean shit with fentanyl anymore. It's we don't know what's in there. You don't know how much is in there. Barely no. a dusting will kill you. So like it's so so touchy. But yeah, when he passed, I you know I I was devastated obviously. But when I went to his funeral, you know I I was trying to celebrate it more. I was trying to like I was just happy to see his sister. I was happy mm-hmm. to see his brothers. You know and his mom. You know and I hadn't seen him in years and it reconnected me with the, you know his brother's doing awesome and like he just hiked the Appalachian Trail and shit like he just ran the Philly Marathon like. Doing a lot of really cool shit, and I got to connect with them again. They got to see me good, and they had they they had the chance to feel better about the situation that they got put into. You know, they had the chance to be like, okay, well, we lost him, but at least he's learning from him. At right. least, and that's you know, that's why I I, I always and I'm always gonna say it because it's so important that I I I want everybody to hear this is that sometimes. People have to die so that we can live. Well, definitely. Sometimes people have to teach us lessons that we don't want to learn, but we have to learn. Oh, yeah. It's a matter of being willing to accept that lesson and just as what it is and learning from it and following suit to not go in that direction. You know, and I never want to relapse just out of his name. Just out of that lesson he taught me, you know, that was one of the things that made me. I was hanging with somebody that night that I knew had pills. And I still, it, I didn't, I knew that wasn't going to fix me, right. you know. And I've been through some some dark shit lately, you know. Even my wife got sick. She, she got diagnosed with MS. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's debilitating. She can barely walk. Yeah. And, it, and it fucks with the mind. And we're both in recovery almost, you know two four years but still like it's a matter of we know that <laughs> a drink and a drug is not going to change anything right it's going to just make it worse yeah i'll skate for a minute and then i'll have a whole lot of shame and guilt following right behind and take me down to make that one drink a million because right. nothing's worse than shame and guilt in a in a relapse that's when you really start going hard good I, I, from what I've been told, you know, I, I've had some people on here. They're like, yeah, I had this relapse and I had this, re-, you know, and whenever people go out and relapse is they go way harder because they hadn't done shit. They've been so good for a while. And now all of a sudden, oh, I'm back at day zero. I can go do whatever I want before I get day one again. And then you don't make it to day one again, you know? Um, so, you know, either way, now I'm just venting about something yeah. <laughs> is that right yeah. but that's that's the whole point of this you know so what do you got planned mm. for christmas um i work christmas eve and christmas day so just working okay um, probably come over here to my house for a little bit and just chill out okay. stay so yeah and the work is good though it's good to put yourself into work keep it busy you know doing some positive shit too Right. So, and you guys do get busy, don't? Because I used to live in North Carolina. Mm. I had, I, I don't think when I, I lived in Durham, I, and I lived in the heart of the city. I mm. had never drove by an empty Waffle House a day in my life. 
Yep. That parking lot had never been empty. <laughs> you know what I mean? There was always... Yeah, they be, be booming. So, at, in the beginning, when I first started, it was a little overwhelming. Like, a family came in. They wanted, like, two seats, two booths, and it was, like, crazy. So, I mean, after that, after I had that first panic attack, and I was like, you know, this is, this is all right. You know, and, I got and, people coming here, come in and scream my name, and, you know, people yeah. want me to be their server for the, you know, it feels yep. pretty good. And plus, when it's that busy, though, the day goes by a lot faster and you don't like, get all distracted up in your head, you know. Right. Nothing's worse than having time on your hands when you're in recovery, because then we start thinking too much. I don't, I I don't, yeah. don't want to think too much. Right. It's a simple program. I don't let me overthink it. Oh, yeah. So I'm so glad you're, you're still killing it. I'm so glad that you're still putting a message out there. You're yeah. talking about it. You know, you're living your, you know it's easy to live your recovery out loud during recovery month. Like you were on here in September. That was during national recovery month. A lot of us were just posting shit. You get lost in the shuffle almost because everyone's posting about recovery month, but to still like, just be all about it as much as you are, the way you post, I see how you're like, you just are happy. You're genuinely just happy to be here. You're happy to be sober. You're happy to be clean. And it's, it's an awesome thing. And I, and I just appreciate that, Latasha. I like watching your post. I'm like, yeah, there she is again. I appreciate you. Killing it. Thank you so much for sitting down again and, you know, catching up and doing a little check-in with me because I always like, uh, there's been some people that have been on the show and unfortunately they relapsed and it wasn't, you know, anything that we did. It it happens. Whenever we relapse, we stop listening to our own advice. Right. Um, luckily, both women, I'm not going to say which, but both of them that did tell me they relapsed, they also are, one is in the sober living already again and already done right. residential, and the other one right. got checked into residential two days ago. Um, okay. She was almost actually going to come on the show a couple weeks ago, and then be, while she was still high, to talk about it. And I was right. going to let her because, you know, you know how I am, you know, and I, yeah. and it's an important thing, too. And I and I thought it, it's an important thing because other people need to know to not be ashamed and to go yeah. get help again like she's trying to do. Yeah. Um, we just couldn't make our schedules work with me being as busy as I am. And she was on a run. Let's be real. Right. She was on a run and she was just running that clock out before going back into treatment again. I get it. She's going to hit me up when she's back out. You know, I'm just glad that they're back into where they need to be and they're safe and they're trying it again. Cause that's, what's really most important because yep, any definitely. one of us is vulnerable to fucking die at any point when we relapse. Right. So awesome. Thank you so much. And if I don't talk to you, I'm going to talk to you. If I don't talk to you, have a good Christmas. <laughs> I'm sure I'll talk to you. No problem. So, Thank you for having me on again, man. No problem. I'll see you soon. All right. Appreciate All right. you. All right. Bye. Happy holidays. See you.